Hashtag not NCAA property. Nothing personal word of the day. It's Friday. It's tourney time. It's March Madness. Thank you for doing the brackets. You got till noon, by the way, to do brackets. But the word of the day is something a little more serious than the tournament. And we are going to get to quite a bit this show. Stick around because I'm going to have some thoughts on Marlins Park and the fact that the fish tanks are gone. A few things that Derek's done that concern should concern you and concern me as a fan of the Miami Marlins. But we're going to start with the NCAA. One of the things that leagues require, whether it's the NCAA or NFL or NBA, you do not want distractions before your jewel event. It is right there in the first page of the rule book, first page of the PR plan. Let's make sure that nothing mucks it up. So they'll talk to the legal, talk to coaches. They'll talk to the players, the managers, the owners. MLB has a rule, no announcements during the playoffs without prior written, or really it ends up being oral permission of the commissioner. Don't fire anyone. Don't hire anyone. Please, there's no trading. There's nothing. There's no free agency. Just focus on the field because this is where we make our money during the signature events. Well, the NCAA, as you know, this is where they make their money. This is where their bread is but at. Right during these next, what is it, Coca? 14 days, 28 days. The final four is sometime in April. Today's March the 19th. So I'm going to say two weeks, maybe two and a half weeks. Whatever the case is, the NCAA wants no issues. They lost their tournament last year. The impact is significant for all schools, universities, for all other sports properties, not basketball, for budgets. It's just significant. So what did the players decide to do? A bunch of players during the pandemic got together and they said, we're not happy with how we're treated. We're not happy with the fact that we don't make money. So we are going to start what we hope will become a viral hashtag, not NCAA property. Now, in this day and age, where words have taken on deeper, more serious meanings, where people are looking at everything and analyzing everything. I don't know about you, and I don't have a consensus on this because this is me. This is where Coca and I during pre-show did not come to agreement because he wasn't sure. And he said, if you believe it, then Go ahead and say it because it's your show. Remember what Coca does when things are controversial or potentially negative. It's my show when we do great in the rankings and when everything's positive, it's our show. I'm, I'm okay with that. It's my name on the marquee. I'm okay with getting the heat. When I hear the word property referring to people, I think of slavery. It's the first thing that comes to my mind back when there were slaves and when slavery was legal. It's not legal now. There is still modern day slavery. And it is very common to think that one person is someone else's property. And that is a violation of the other person's constitutional rights. I think that's fairly obvious, but it doesn't go without saying. So when these players chose to do hashtag not NCAA property, I believe what they were trying to do was to say that we are like slaves. And I have a problem with that. 
And the reason I do is that it gives much less gravitas to the reality of what slavery was and what slavery is. Here's the difference. When you are a slave, you're owned by somebody and you are imprisoned by somebody because you can't go anywhere. You don't have a choice. I've heard people say, well, you have players on your roster and you own them. They're your property for six years. And I correct them and I say, no, no, they're on our roster for six years, but they can feel free to not play baseball. They can feel free to do anything they want. They don't have to show up to practice. They don't have to show up to a game, to show up to spring training, to show up anywhere. Slaves don't have that right. It's not even a subtle difference. It is the difference. So when they choose not NCAA property, they're doing it to try to appeal to people's sensitivities about that word, about that concept. And they're doing it in order to elicit as much sympathy as possible. So they got together and they came up with their list of demands. One of Chris Hassel from CBS Sports HQ, one of his players from Iowa was on this, was on one of the original group of people who were doing Zoom calls during the pandemic. A person, a player from Rutgers, where you know the president of Rutgers is a close friend. And you know I don't throw that word around. These players got together and they made a list of demands for what they are protesting during March Madness using the hashtag not NCA property. Now, what would you think would be the ultimate protest if you are a college basketball player? What, what would be your immediate guess? I'll give you a count of two, not three, two, one, two. Yeah, that's right. Don't play. Walk off the court. Make CBS show a whole lot of nothing. TBS, True TV, all the places you're watching games, but really it is associated with our network here, CBS. You want to protest? Protest where it hurts. Because if CBS doesn't get games, NCAA doesn't get money. But instead, the players said they want a rule change to allow them to get agents and money by July 1st. Never going to happen. They want a meeting with the NCA president. Big whoop, that can happen. They want a meeting with state and federal lawmakers and someone in Biden's administration to pass laws to give college athletes physical, academic, and financial protections. Well, bless these players, but they're not lobbyists. There's a bit of a runway needed from meeting with state and federal lawmakers to getting laws passed. You don't just meet and say, hey, I want a law passed. Doesn't quite work that way. You meet, you start working on a bill that can be introduced. I'm just a bill. I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Go to Scholastic Rock if you want to know how a bill becomes a law, because there's quite a process that has to happen. Then the final one is where they lost me. When they want the Supreme Court, yes, the Supreme Court, the, not a, the Supreme Court, to rule in support of plaintiffs in a lawsuit called Austin versus the NCAA. 
and therefore not give the NCAA any more power to deny equal freedom. So there's one thing about the Supreme Court of the land. There are three branches of government. I think we all know that the executive branch president, the legislative branch, that's the Congress, House and the Senate, and then the judicial branch, that's the Supreme Court. I don't believe that anyone can meet with the Supreme Court and demand a ruling. I don't think anyone can have a protest and say, you're going to rule this way. Now, protests are great. You have a peaceful protest. You get a, a, not a warrant. What's it called? A permit. You get a permit and you can stand outside the Supreme Court building in D.C. You can hold up signs and you can say rule for Austin and Austin versus NCAA. That's fine. But you're not going to get a meeting with them. You have to be a member of the bar. You have to be eligible to actually argue before the Supreme Court. You have to have the Supreme Court take oral arguments and take the case. I'm not sure why these players came up with this, but the more interesting question to think about is what's the goal here? Is the goal simply to attract attention to an issue that already has so much attention that there's no more increment required? We all know the NIL issue, name, image, likeness. We all know that college players feel as though they should be paid and they're not. We all know that many of them do get paid under the table. We know all this. We know that there are leagues that are being developed to compete with college. We've talked about it on Nothing Personal. League number one is some NBA-run developmental league. There's something, there's a new one that we talked about on the show last month that if you paid me money, I couldn't tell you what it was, but they're going to pay players $100,000 and they're going to pay $100,000 toward their education and they're going to compete and then they're going to be eligible to go to the NBA draft, but they're going to lose all of their amateur eligibility if they go to this league. So there are options for these players. I feel as though right now that uh, we are in the middle, and you know I've talked about it, the middle of times changing. I think times are changing right now. And I think it's important that the agents of change are realistic and intelligent in how they approach change because anytime there is sea change in a society that has been operating a certain way for hundreds of years, it's not just time that's needed, it's thoughtful intellectual discourse. And thoughtful intellectual discourse can come from many places. It doesn't just come from politicians. It doesn't just come from the corporate world. It doesn't just come from the college educated world. It can come from any sort of demographic. But the key to it is that it has to come in an organized fashion with manageable, calculable goals. And you don't start that by trying to promote a hashtag that by definition, in my opinion, will turn too many people off because you're trying to equate yourself with something that clearly is not the case. But as we move forward, the NCAA tournament begins today, games start, the brackets close at noon. NPDS is kicking some A triple S. We've got over 400 brackets. If you have not done a bracket, please pause the show right now. If it's before noon and you're listening to this, we're doing the show a little early today so you can have it released and so you can listen to it. And we're doing this in the beginning of the show. We're only about 11 minutes in out of the 45. Pause the show. 
do the bracket on cbssports.com slash NPDS brackets, capital NPDS, capital B, capital N through B. And if you beat Coca, you're in a raffle to win something cool. If you win the bracket, you're going to win something cool. With CBS, you're eligible to win a car. You can win a trip to New Orleans. Doesn't matter. Do it. Pause it. Do a bracket right now. CBSSports.com. Just do an email, a password, and then you can do the bracket so quickly that I can't even tell you. Uh, so that is the final bracket read. The next read we'll do on Monday, Coca, at the request of CBS because so many of you download the show and listen to the show and tell your friends about the show that we have to do reads every show. I'm sure there'll be something new, maybe Paramount Plus or maybe something else. Nothing personal pick of the day. I'm doing it early. You can unpause now. We won again. I think we had a four and one week, Coca. We said the Trailblazers would beat the Pelicans and they did. We are 37 and 21. Obviously, we were 33 and 20 going into the week. Five shows, four and one, 37 and 21. We got ourselves a winner. I'm going to do two picks now for the weekend. And guess what? They are two NCAA picks. I'm going to the tournament. I mean, we've been so hot with the NBA. I don't know why I'm not doing an NBA pick. And we're so close to starting with baseball picks in addition. It's a panoply of pick availability. We've got a game tonight on CBS at 710. It's the Wisconsin Badgers against the University of North Carolina. The University of North Carolina, uh, their nickname is the Tar Heels. Wow. Dean Smith, coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels. It may be Roy Williams now. I actually don't know who the coach is. All I know is that for whatever reason, the Tar Heels are favored by one and a half and an eight versus nine. And since I have Wisconsin winning the entire tournament, I certainly have them getting out of the first round. I figured the number nine seed, which beats the number eight seed more times than not, which is totally anecdotal, but I've got the Badgers plus one and a half. Then Saturday, Patrick Ewing is leading his team, the Georgetown Hoyas, to their first NCAA tournament in quite a while. Georgetown is a storied program they're getting six and a half from the colorado rockies who are probably called the colorado buffaloes i actually don't know what they're called but either way i can't figure out as i look at the two teams and i studied very closely who their opponents were and i looked at who's hot who's not why is georgetown getting six and a half so i'm going double dog friday saturday two picks this weekend wisconsin plus one and a half over unc tar heels of course, I knew it was the Tar Heels, by the way. And Georgetown plus six and a half over the Colorado Buffaloes. Of course, I knew it was the Buffaloes. Nothing personal. Pick of the day. Hope you all had as good a week as I did. All right. We had very big news in the NFL, and it didn't take one of our listeners more than 10 seconds to ask a question about it. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's when you get in my Twitter, David P. Samson. Follow us. Tell your friends to follow us. We had a rush of followers yesterday after that interesting Levitard show that we did, which was quite interesting if you haven't downloaded that. And it's been an interesting, pretty heavy week here on Nothing Personal because we're living in a pretty heavy world at the moment. And I don't mean heavy in terms of weight. I mean heavy in terms of seriousness. And when you go into Twitter and 
go to DMs. I try to answer as many as I can. You know, at different times of the day and night, I, I do a slew of answers. We did a Twitter Spaces last night. Every Thursday at 8 p.m., we're on Twitter Space. Mike, Mike Coca, Matthew Coca does a room, the producer, and you can we send out a link and you can ask questions and we do a fun Q&A, a lot of great questions, not all about sports, a lot of people talking about their lives and livelihoods and suggestions and thoughts. And we heard a great story about someone who had to pay Jerry Reinsdorf $7.52, which was really quite a good story. And it doesn't live on after it's not recorded, but it's called Twitter Spaces. It's in beta and Twitter and, and Twitter management has been in touch with Coca. They like that we're doing this. And we told them if their app crashes one more time, we're gonna go back to Clubhouse. So what was the question that was asked yesterday? What are your thoughts on the new NFL TV deal? Does this mean the salary cap will now go up? What are you talking about? What you're talking about is the fact that CBS, thank God, NBC, okay, Fox, yeah, the Disney company through ABC and ESPN, and Amazon agreed to a new 10-year deal with the NFL taking the entire broadcast package. It's a 10-year deal that is worth over $100 billion dollars. It is being reported as an 11-year deal, but it's not. It's a 10-year deal that starts in 2023 and goes through 2033. The reason why people are saying it's an 11-year deal is that ESPN, their deal was running out. So they did a bridge deal where they did a one-year deal for 22. So then all of the deals were running out after 22 with CBS, NBC, and Fox. And now ESPN, they all run out after 22. So NFL got them all together and now they all re-signed for 10 years from 23 to 33. So if you do the math, it's about $300 million per team per year. And so you had people saying, wow, the salary cap is only 180 this year, 182.5. Why isn't it 300? The answer is it's not 300 until teams have that level of revenue. And then it's not going to be 300 until 300 would represent 48% of total revenue because the salary cap is set to football related revenue. Let's say the split is 52-48. If there's a dollar of revenue that the NFL gets, 52% goes to owners, 48% goes to players but it goes to players in all forms. There's pensions included. There are all sorts of player costs that are not quote unquote, what happens when you add up all of the salaries of the players. That's why when you look in baseball at the luxury tax, at the luxury tax threshold, it's not based on adding the payroll of the 25 or 26 players. There are hidden costs that count because it's actual cash that is paid out of pocket from owners to players or to the players union or to former players. So there are all sorts of numbers that come into play when you calculate. So it does not automatically mean that the salary cap is going to be 300 million. 
So get that out of your head. What fascinates me about this new TV deal is that in the old days, like a few years ago, MLB, we would talk all the time about staggering the expiration of our broadcast deals. We had a broadcast deal with ESPN. We had a broadcast deal with Fox. Those were the national deals. I'm not talking local. In the NFL, everything's national. But I'm talking national and MLB. The reason why you'd stagger them is you did not want to be subject to the vagaries of the world on a particular day, a particular year. Can you imagine if the NFL had all of its broadcast deals expiring in March of 2020? How would those negotiations have gone when we were in the middle of a once in a century pandemic? We hope it's once in a century, but we won't know that until 2120. What happens if there's some sort of war, some sort of economic recession that affects all industries, not just the financial industry, not just based on collateralized backs, collaterally backed securities, offerings. Remember the big short. The point is you stagger deals the way we would stagger corporate sponsor deals, the way we'd like to stagger any sort of revenue because you don't want to take the risk of what could happen. So the NFL said, we've got a better idea. We're going to do it all at once. We're going to go long-term, way longer than most national broadcast deals are in any sport. We're going to take the money, take the guarantee. And in 2033, here's what they said. Because here's who's not going to be commissioner in 2033, Roger Goodell. Here's who's not going to be running CBS, Fox, ESPN in 2033, any of the people doing it now. Here's who's going to be playing football in 2033, who's playing football now, Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes, Coco, what is Mahomes signed to, 2046 or something? I think Coco, I think Mahomes signed this uh, 27-year deal for $872 billion or something. So Mahomes may be playing. But the people who are rookies in 2033 are people who are basically, shall we say, 10 years old right now. Coca just told me in my ear, thank you, Coca, you're on the program on a Friday. Normally, Coca has decided on Friday that he needs a day off. Uh, Coke, uh, he, Mahomes becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2032 when he's 37 years old. Okay, we can wait for that. So the NFL said, let's just go all in. It'll be someone else's problem. I'm very familiar with doing that because we did that when we were negotiating the stadium deal with the public. We kicked a lot of things down the can for 10 years later. And look who's there 10 years from now. It's not me. It was Jeter who's going to have to deal with that. And we're still going to get to Jeter during the show. What are the little nuggets you should know about this new TV deal? This is the most important part of it. The Thursday night package which was on NFL Network, is now going to be on Amazon Prime. That's right. Digital, Thursday, streaming. ESPN can stream on ESPN Plus its games. CBS can stream on Paramount Plus its games. 
NBC can stream on Peacock its games. Streaming rights are no longer separated from broadcast rights the way they were for the last 10 years. They are now together, leagues held out as long as they could, keeping their own streaming rights, knowing how valuable they were going to be. Broadcast partners said, eh, eh. If you want a dollar from us, we're taking the streaming rights and we're going to have the right to stream on our platforms. Because as CBS knew when they started CBS Sports HQ on February 26, 2018, yes, my 50th birthday, they knew that streaming is not just the future, it's the present. It's all streaming right now, and that's not changing anytime soon. Do you want to own a cable company now? Or do you want to own a streaming company? And what the NFL did is they got you, the fan, used to having football on Thursday night. They started a network so they could show games on Thursday night in NFL Network, much like we did with MLB Network, starting that network to put playoff games on so we could guarantee building value to then sell those games to another broadcast partner. The NFL cashed its ticket. Amazon, under Jeff Bezos, decided they wanted to get into the game. The only one happier than Roger Goodell right now is Rob Manford and Gary Bettman and Adam Silver, because I guarantee it's not even wait to see worthy. When new deals come up in basketball and in baseball, Amazon is going to be a player and so are other platforms. This is big news, folks. If you are complaining that you can't find Amazon and become an Amazon Prime subscriber, you are not the demographic that these leagues are looking for. I'm sorry. The difference between a game on Amazon Prime and a game on CBS Channel 2 in your local area cable is Donata. There's no difference. The other thing of note is that ABC and Disney now have two Super Bowls. It used to go back and forth with CBS and with uh, um, Fox. Now Disney and ABC are in the rotation. They're going to have a Super Bowl in 2026. The other big news is something called flex. I would like to point out to you what flexing means. Flexing means that there's no more crap games on Monday Night Football on, on uh, ESPN. Flexing means that if you're getting excited to play a Sunday game that's meaningful and is going to be on CBS, there's a chance that game can get swooped up by ABC. The reason why that matters is that CBS and Fox took that into account that they could lose games. And that factored into not just the price that they paid for their extension, but into the other benefits that they received as part of this extension. NFL got everyone together. They had a full package to sell and they divvied it up in a way to maximize their profit, maximize the value. Because once you do a deal like this, like the NHL just did a deal. Remember, they just did that seven-year deal with ESPN starting next season. But you have to maximize your assets because you can only sell them once. It's like your memorabilia collection, or it's like if you have a, a great card or a great asset or a share of stock or a house or something you own, remember, you can only sell it one time. 
So when it's time to sell, you better make the right decision and you better be smart about it. So my thoughts on the new NFL TV deal is I like the chance they took by bundling the rights. I'm worried about 2033 because we're still going to be around. We're still going to be doing this show. We're still going to have plenty of stuff to talk about. But I think the NFL made a good decision. And does it mean the salary cap will now go up? It'll go up starting in 2023, but don't look for it to be 300 because it simply will not be. When we come back, we're going to review a movie from Hulu. Hulu is a streaming network, in case you didn't know. Hulu has a live component that you can do to get rid of cable if you want. It is a movie that was nominated for Best Documentary Feature. We are also going to update you on some wait to sees, and I promise you, we are going to get to fish. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you. It's Friday, March 19th. The NCAA tournament is starting. If you're listening to this before noon, you've paused it. You've done a bracket. Thank you. An NPDS bracket. CBSSports.com backslash MPDS, not backslash, darn it. CBSSports.com slash MPDS brackets. Games have begun. It's exciting. There's so many games. I'm going to watch games all day. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit in a chair and watch games. Actually, I'm probably going to watch a movie. I watched a movie yesterday that I have to talk about. It's called The Mole Agent. The Mole Agent is an hour and a half documentary on Hulu about a nursing home in Chile where a private investigator was hired by the daughter of a woman in the nursing home, by an, by an elderly woman in the nursing home. And the investigator decided that he wanted to put a spy into the nursing home. So he hired an 83-year-old octogenarian. That's obviously repetitive. He hired an octogenarian to become a spy inside the nursing home with James Bond-like cameras. He had a pen camera. He had glasses cameras. First, he had to teach the octogenarian how to use an iPhone. That's sort of funny. The octogenarian ends up being in the nursing home for a period of time, learning all about it, trying to see if everything is kosher and all the people are being treated well. It is in Spanish with English subtitles. It is a wonderful, uplifting movie. Getting old is hard. Getting old is hard. Caring for old people is hard. We have a society, not just in the US, but around the world, where you really have to pay attention to how old people are treated because they deserve to be treated in their final years as well as anyone in their first years. And you know how much we go crazy when babies are abused or mistreated 
we should have that same view for the elderly. There is no difference. And of course, you know, Benjamin Button is in my top five movies of all time. There's no difference between your first three years of life and your last three years of life. Our society needs to treat and protect babies and the elderly in the same way. We reviewed a movie earlier this month, I can't remember when, with Rosamund Pike called I Care A Lot about certain things that go on with elderly people in nursing homes. This documentary will give you a warm feeling in your tuchus, in your loins. You'll just feel happy. Please watch The Mole Agent. A, because how are you going to do your Oscar pool if you don't watch every documentary feature? I'm watching a second documentary feature today called My Octopus Teacher, which I'm going to review next week. I'm going to get through all the documentary features before the Oscars next month. It's The Mole Agent on Hulu. Wait to see is when we do something and say something that's going to happen, and I promise you we revisit it. Wait to see is a hashtag, and the purpose of that hashtag is that when we started Nothing Personal, there were two things important to me and Coca. One, that we had complete editorial control, which means we weren't going to be told by CBS or anybody what we could talk about and what we couldn't talk about. Two, we were going to be accountable in a way that so many people in sports media are not when they have their hot takes and they're screaming their hot takes. And when they're wrong, they never revisit it. I wanted to let Coca know and let anyone who was going to ever download and listen and subscribe and tell their friends or watch on YouTube, which you should be watching because I wear a blazer every damn day. It's and I, if this is a new blazer, do you like it? It fits. I think I have to get the sleeve shortened a little bit. I'm pretty much a straight 38 short but sometimes the sleeves need to be shortened because my arms are not necessarily that long. But in any case, that's nothing personal with David Sampson. So I review, that's the YouTube channel, I review uh, movies and I do wait to sees. And then I revisit the wait to sees. On February 21st, 2020, that's over a year ago, there was a lawsuit filed by a pitcher who claims that when he pitched against the Astros, the Astros were stealing his signs. He gave up four hits, three walks, and then got sent down, never pitched again. And he was suing Major League Baseball for allowing the sign stealing. And I said, wait to see. The Bolsinger lawsuit is a loser. Well, here we are a year later, and guess what? He lost. The lawsuit was such where he was trying to file the lawsuit and be heard in Los Angeles because he thought he would find a sympathetic jury in LA of Dodger fans, a sympathetic judge of Dodger fans, a judge pool of Dodger fans. And the Dodgers lost the World Series to the Astros the year the Astros were purportedly banging garbage cans, which they were. The Los Angeles court said, nah, the court of law is a sort of serious thing, sir. And I appreciate that you like baseball and that you got sent down. I'm really super sorry about that. And I'm sorry that the Astros may or may not have banged garbage cans, but you think you're going to get jurisdiction and you think you're going to get jurisdiction here in Los Angeles, in California, because we're going to rule for you because we like the Dodgers? No. Bolsinger's lawyer came out and said, we're going to file in Texas then, where it all happened. It's a loser. That way to see was a yes. What about July 17th, 2020? 
I had to wait to see way back in July, right before the trade deadline, there was talk about this Miami Marlins player named Brian Anderson, who's a good player. I wonder where they got Brian Anderson from. Thank God that was from the new regime and their good farm system. There's no way that we could have drafted anyone as good as Brian Anderson. But I said the Marlins will not give him a long-term deal before he hits arbitration. There was very much pressure to give him a long-term deal. I explained at the time that the Marlins have done nothing but do capital calls because they're losing so much money. You may not have believed me when I said Jeffrey was losing money every year. Hopefully you believe me when I tell you that the Marlins under Jeter are losing money hand over fist. So I said, Brian Anderson will not get a long-term deal. And the season starting, he went to arbitration. He did not get a long-term deal. That was July 17th. That's a yes. What about February 4th? February 4th, 2021, just a week ago. We're in, we're, what is the date today, Coca? March 19th. Oh, that's almost two months ago. I'm sorry. February 4th, 2021, I said, Drew Brees is going to retire. Is that by chance the day that Drew Brees lost to Tom Brady? Is there any way that that would have been correlated? I highly doubt it. But in any case, I said two parts to this. Drew Brees will retire, wait to see, and Winston will re-sign with the Saints. Well, Drew Brees announced his retirement and Jameis Winston re-signed with the Saints. That's a double yes from February 4th, 2021. My wait to see today is related to a new pitcher for the Mets. There's a lot of confusion going on here, so I want to be very clear. Carlos Carrasco was traded with Francisco Lindor to the Mets, and Mets fans were applauding Steve Cohn and Sandy Alderson and their uh, GM and name only, Scott, saying, I can't believe we got such a top-of-the-rotation guy in Carlos Carrasco, along with Lindor. What a steal. And I said at the time, by the way, Carlos Carrasco is making $12 million this year, $12 million next year. And then he's got a $3 million buyout on a team option the year after, which means the Mets are taking on $27 million. They may have gotten a few shekels paid for by the Indians, but they took on $20 million plus. Carlos Carrasco was a David Price type player, which means he was added to Lindor. They made the Mets take Carrasco. Well, Carrasco tore his hamstring yesterday. Carlos Carrasco will not be in the opening day rotation. When you tear your hamstring, you are out at least two months, and it could be more. Wait to see. Carlos Carrasco will not even start 20 games for the New York Metropolitans this year. You can book it. Okay, we're going to end the uh, show with a little bit about the Marlins. And I give you the caveat by saying this. It is not personal. I knew the entire time when selling the team to Derek Jeter that he was going to terminate me. I planned for it. I expected it. I was not just ready for it, but I wanted it. I knew there was no way I would ever work for Derek because I knew exactly from negotiating with him what kind of team owner and president he was going to be. I knew exactly the way Bruce Sherman would be as a control owner because, as I told you, Bruce Sherman didn't care about anything except getting Derek Jeter's cell phone number and letting his kids and grandkids watch games with Derek Jeter. That was all fine and dandy until the Marlins started losing money. And the reason they started losing money 
is that I'd said to Jeter, hey, you're going to be way better at this than I am. I stunk. I'm the worst president of all time. I couldn't even get naming rights. I couldn't get a TV deal. I couldn't get anything. I couldn't get season ticket holders. But you're going to come in and you're going to do better. You're going to make money. This is Jeter's. Hold on. I'm, I'm blanking. Fourth season. 18, 19, 20, 21. The Marlins made the playoffs last year in a shortened season. They've improved their farm system. I think when we had them, our farm was ranked number 37. Not bad. 37th ranked farm system in the country is not terrible. Now the Marlins are a top five farm system. The Marlins have a great manager, Don Mattingly, and they finished above 500 for the first time since 2009. So for the last eight years of my career, we couldn't even win 81 games, and it took Jeter only three years to finish 500. However, what I'm not telling you is the number of years we were above 500 after 60 games or 70 games or 80 games or at one point in a random season, because I guarantee you we were, although I don't know for sure, so I'm not going to guarantee it, but someone is going to go back and take a look. And we were above 500 by two games at one point, but the season ended after 60 games. They get credit. Great. I'm in. Derek Jeter spent his first three years trying to rid himself of anything Samson related, anything that Jeffrey Loria had done because he thought that would help explain why he paid so much for the franchise. If he didn't have to look at pictures of us, if he didn't have to look at anything that reminded him of, of us, if he didn't have to look at any employees who were there when we were there, if he could just eliminate us, then he would all of a sudden say that everything's okay now. He started by getting rid of the home run sculpture, which was an art in public places. Cover that on nothing personal. Very dangerous precedent. He then followed it up by getting rid of the pool in Marlins Park. Not sure why. And yesterday he followed it up by getting rid of the fish tanks behind the plates. Anything that we did, it's gone. I want to give you a little background into why we did what we did. Jeffrey Lurie designed that ballpark to make it about Miami. The ballpark is in Miami. It's not in New York. He gave us a rule. He designed the stadium, the outside, and he said, here's the rule inside. When you're putting concession stands together, when you're looking at the color scheme, he came up with the color palette that is based on Miro's palette, a very famous Spanish painter. There's lots of reds and blues and yellows. We use those colors for wayfinding so people knew where they were in the ballpark. The sections were colored. It's unbelievable, actually. He thought that by getting rid of, so Jeffrey said to us, the rule is that when someone in the ballpark, a fan of the Marlins or a fan of an opposing team, when they close their eyes and play pin the tail on the donkey and they spin around in a 360 degree turn, wherever they land and they open their eyes, they need to think Miami. Not New York. Jeffrey's a New Yorker. I was an erstwhile New Yorker. Not Cincinnati, not Baltimore, not San Diego, Miami. The purpose of the ballpark, the purpose of the uniforms, the purpose of the brand and the colors of the uniforms and the multicolor of the M of the old Marlins brand before Jeter changed it. 
the purpose of the colors in the ballpark, the purpose of the pool of the Clevelander, which is now gone. How can you not like the Clevelander? Jeter could have gone in there and picked up people and then left them gift bags. The purpose of everything in that ballpark, taste of Miami, the fish tanks, the bobblehead museum, everything was meant to say Miami. I knew Jeter was going to bring New York to Miami, but I didn't think it would be like this. Jeffrey Loria was the owner of the team, was a big New Yorker, a big Yankee fan, liked Yankee players, but was very clear that he owned a team in Miami and that Marlins Park was for you, the community in Miami, and for all the people who visit and would go to the ballpark. What Jeter decided to do because of his hatred for me directly and his anger over paying Mr. Loria the price he paid for the team is to take away the best parts of the ballpark and make it so New York. I spent a lot of time thinking about how I felt about this. And I felt sad for the wrong reason. And I wanted to admit to you what that reason was. The reason turns out was personal and wasn't business related. The business is not going well, they're losing money. There's rumors about the team being for sale. They've had to raise extra money. Derek Jeter only has two years left in his contract. And then we'll see what happens, but it's highly unlikely that he will be asked to continue on in the same role because it's been such a failure financially and in theory on the field, although they did make the expanded playoffs in the shortened season last year. And I do root for the Marlins because I do want them to win a third World Series because it would just make our World Series that much cooler as being part of history. But my sadness was based on my incorrect and misguided view of legacy, where I wanted to be a part with Jeffrey of Marlins Park and of having Marlins Park there and of the amazingly original look to Marlins Park. The fish tanks were my idea. And I thought that in the systematic elimination of everything, of every way that I was related, not invited back for anything 2003 related, I never will be until Jeter sells the team. Well, he has no say over the sale. It'll be Bruce Sherman selling the team and the other owners, including some preferred holders, but it doesn't matter. I was selfish in saying I wanted to be associated with some of the great things with the Marlins franchise history. I wanted to be associated with Marlins Park. And it went against my very principle. And my very principle and the word that I say is that my job was to plant seeds for trees that will grow and shade they will produce that I will never get to sit under. And it should have been good enough to me that Marlins Park is there and that baseball in Miami, however few people go now, however few people went when I was there, it should be good enough that there's a baseball team in Miami and but for Jeffrey Loria and but for, in a very small way, the work that I did, there wouldn't be baseball in Miami. There wouldn't be memories like you heard on Twitter spaces last night of a son having a catch with his father on the field and on Father's Day. There wouldn't be the ability of families and people who are in business to go and have an experience or make a memory. And that should have been good enough. 
And I thought it was good enough until I read about the absence of the fish tanks of them being removed. And I had a moment of selfishness that upon reflection during the course of the night, I realized was the wrong approach. Because at the end of the day, you can't control your legacy. You can try to do what's best on a daily basis, on a minute by minute basis. You can try to shut out all selfish feelings. You can try to subjugate your ego as much as possible, but we're all just human. And as much as I say it's just business, even for me, once in a while, it's personal.